I never, I never said that. So um, my sister, who was also one of the, the kings, in the car, she was always very quiet, but out of nowhere, she goes, yeah, mom, I heard you. You did say that Katerina was fat. So that was it. I grew up, um, my nickname was Fatso, uh, even in Italian. Uh, there was an Italian version. And um, even like in, in Italian, like one of my aunt calls me Cataros, which is like Ros, like kind of like gross, which means fat. So my aunt nicknamed me like Fatso with my name. Uh, like in Italian, when you add Chona to something, it means you're you know, big. So I'm like Calachona, you know, like she changed my name. So like, basically my name has been chubby, chubby, chubby. So even myself, when I look at myself in the mirror and now I've kind of tried to change that. Um, when I see myself in the mirror, I'm like, hey, fat. So I realized that uh, when I would do exercise, I love doing Zumba and I will be in Zumba class. And I would look at myself during like doing all the steps and I would be like, come on, Fatso, let's go. And then I said, no, no, no. So now, now I'm sweetheart. I call myself sweetheart. Um, so with the whole feeling that I never fit in, of course, um, you know, I never got chosen for uh, to do, you know, like when we had to play sports, no one would choose me to do the sports. I was always be the last one and I also I always wanted to be the last one so uh, when you know the kids were choosing and looking at everybody I always put my eyes down like I purposely also didn't want to be chosen so I, I could say that I contributed to my to me feeling rejected um in high school um same thing I missed a lot of school um my friends started doing uh, drugs I didn't want to do drugs so somehow I, I started getting bullied because I remained the goody two-shoes. So I was bullied. I felt suicidal. I didn't even know what suicidal meant. But like now looking back, I was suicidal. But I, I never would have actually hurt myself. But I just didn't want to live. Um, uh, but I used to do kickboxing. I actually sent myself to do my first sport. So from three years old to 16, I never did any sport. Uh, when I when I was in elementary school, I remember they had two dollar Tuesdays. They used to have karate, and I used to tell my parents, "It's only two dollars, please let me do karate." And they're like, "No, you're not going to do karate." So finally, when I was 16 years old, I was allowed to babysit, and I remember uh, finding my first 99 dollars that I earned, and I signed up three months at kickboxing. So I lost in three months 30 pounds. Like when you're, when you're young, you lose weight quickly so I went from 160 to 130 like in in three months so my 616 for the first time I was skinny I straightened my hair back then we straightened it with the iron to iron the clothes as before the straighteners actually were invented and um, so that was it so I would actually after I joined gym I, I went to so many gyms in Montreal like I, I know them all uh, but I always used to like start gym and then after I would stop, start, stop. Like I would lose interest in a lot of things. I don't know. Uh, I know that later on in my life, I got a, a real depression, but I think probably I was depressed uh, all my life. I don't know if it's because I was neglected or whatnot. Uh, but so I, I, will, I will go to the gym uh, for a couple of weeks, lose weight. And then after I used to feel good and I used to eat, 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 eat. Um, that was my thing. Um, when I got older, uh, my first boyfriend, I was 21 years old. 
uh, I gave my virginity to him. And in Italy, in Sicily, uh, the first guy you sleep with, you're, you have to be with him for the rest of your life. So I stayed with him for seven years with that mentality. Um, he was abusive. And until I, I realized, like, I'm in Canada, I'm in Montreal, we're like in the 2000s, I don't have to stay with this guy. So I managed to break free. I was 27, 28 years old. Um, and with him, I, I don't know if I would binge a lot. Uh, but we used to go, we used to go to the gym together. So that was okay. I say in my 20s, I was actually okay. Uh, 30, uh, around 33 years old, I had another boyfriend. I had um, a job that was, thank you very much. I had a job that was very demanding. Uh, and um, I got a boyfriend. Uh, he was ill. And so I was taking care of him. And then after my job, that was not easy. And my brain gave out. I had like a burnout slash depression. I was stuttering. Uh, I forgot how to count. Not that I forgot what counting was, but I couldn't count anymore. Uh, so I went through like a real depression. It lasted 25 months. I was bedridden. I couldn't get up. So I had to learn how to walk. Uh, I, I was able to walk from my bed to the bathroom, to the kitchen, back to my bed. Yes, but I couldn't walk one block. Uh, I would, my muscles would hurt. I developed plantar fasciitis because my, that's like you're under your foot, that muscle, it, it was just pulled because like my whole legs, all my muscles had to learn how to walk again. Uh, so I ended up going back to work. Um, Oh, yes. So when I was sick for 25 months, I uh, tried four different antidepressants. I gained 70 pounds. So that for me was like detrimental because I was like, oh, my God, I'm so chubby. So I went back to work. Uh, I was chubby and I ended up joining the YMCA and I would go uh, four nights out of the five days that I work. I will go to the YMCA. And for me, it was good because I was around people. Uh, and I would do exercise and I would always do different stuff. You know, one day it was swimming, one day it was uh, a Zumba, the other, day, the other day we were lifting weights, always in a group setting and um, ended up losing all my 70 pounds. And I felt like I was amazing, like I was on top of the world. Uh, then the pandemic hit and I was isolated and I lived alone. And my mind thought that I was in a depression again because I had I couldn't go out of my house. Those were the rules here. I weren't allowed going out of the house. I couldn't see other people. And so the only love that I had or that I could give myself is food. So every day I would walk to the grocery store, buy myself $60 worth of food. Every day, $60, $60. I would eat like a full um, family size, not a regular size cereal box, but family size in about three hours with a big carton of milk. I ended up gaining 80 pounds in five months. And then I, my, my fingers and my feet would go numb. We, the doctor thought maybe I had multiple sclerosis. In the end, I got checked for everything. Uh, basically, I gained weight too quickly. They, I was told that not even a pregnant woman gains 80 pounds in that short period of time. So my little veins and everything, they were expanding too quickly. And that's, that, that was the pain that I was having. So I was happy I, I didn't have uh, that illness that unfortunately, you know, some people have. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't have. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, so moving 
So I'm still chubby. That's where we're at. You know, the pandemic, you know, I'm still chubby now. I've been trying to lose weight, but uh, I can't uh, lose weight anymore. Uh, I've tried, but um, what happened is that I'm pre-diabetic. So because I eat so much sugar, it, it ate away at my muscle. So I don't have that much muscle. So even if I do exercise, I, I don't have a furnace. You know, in the furnace, you put wood to make the fire burn, but I don't have that wood. I don't have that muscle. So I have a personal trainer now and we're like lifting weights, lifting weights. It's been like going on like for almost four months and I'm still chubby, but I'm holding on because eventually my furnace is going to light up. It's going to burn. Um, how I joined OA was that I was watching a lot of Netflix during the pandemic and I was watching this show called This Is Us. And Katie, uh, she went to uh, Katie's one of the the. the the actress in the in the show she went to what looked like an old readers anonymous uh, meeting and i never knew this existed so i googled it and um, i joined the very first oa meeting and the thing is that last year in 2021 i had actually gone to rehab i put myself in rehab because i was so down and depressed and i was uh taking a drug that is legal but i was abusing it a bit too much here in canada it's legal anyways i don't know if it's legal everywhere there in the united states but uh, I was doing too much of it. So um, I put myself in a rehab program for addiction. And uh, I was telling them, you know, like I'm addicted to this thing and to eating. And they're like, well, there's nothing we can do to eating. I'm like, but there has to be because I'm addicted. I know I have an addiction to food. I've been like this all my life. They're like, no, there's nothing you can do. So uh, having seen, seen Katie and This Is Us go to a program like that, I Googled it. And, I, and right away, in the next 15 minutes, there was a meeting. I went on the meeting. The people are talking, talking my language. Someone said, oh, I was eating, eating until I got cuts in my mouth. I go, cuts in my mouth. Exactly. These people are speaking my language. Me, yeah, I've had cuts in my minutes. mouth. Thank you very much. I've had cuts in my mouth. Um, stomach hurting, exploding. And then five minutes later, I'm not exploding anymore. Oh, I want to eat this. I want to eat that. Anyways, now... Um, so like for a good solid four or five months, I couldn't be abstinent. I will be abstinent two days, three days max. And then after I would um, eat, I will break my abstinence. And I was getting fed up. I go, but what's wrong with me? I'm so good in school. I'm good at work. I have awards. I have this and that. But I can't understand this program. Like, what's wrong with me? And then after I said, you know what? You have to listen. Like, really listen. Go to all, go continue going to meetings because I go to like more than one meeting per day. That's what I've been doing since January. And so I started going to the other meetings differently where I would listen. And everybody's talking about spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. So I'm like, I think I'm missing something because all I'm thinking about is the food. But no, it has to do with something spiritual. So I started seeing everything different. And I remember one day I, I started crying. I threw myself on the couch, like my knees were on the floor. I was on the couch. I'm like, God, please, you have to help me. I need to connect with you. You have to help me because I can't take it anymore. And um, I still didn't break my abstinence. You know when my abstinence broke, which is really weird. I had a popcorn machine. It looks like uh, when, you, when uh, you, know, you go to the movie theaters back in the days, and it actually looked like that, but a miniature one. And uh, I haven't used it since January 2. But in June, I decided to sell it. I said, I need it out of my house. Because if it's in my house, in the back of my head, I think that maybe one day I'm going to have this popcorn. So I sold it. And the day after I sold it, my abstinence came. So maybe it was like, I don't know. I don't know. But 
Um, this program really is not just about the food. It's about our connection to our higher power, whoever or whatever your higher power is. Um, we really need to connect to your higher power, surrender to your higher power, your disease, because obviously we cannot do it. We can take, we can change it, whether it's with a diet, whether it's with a psychologist, whether it's hypnotherapy, because I've done hypnotherapy um, and I've done ther uh, psychology therapy too. And uh, the only thing really that, that worked is when I just surrendered. I surrendered and uh, I do my literature. I do my prayer when I wake up, when I go to bed. Um, I sponsor, I go to my meetings. Um, of course, when I, when I have to talk, I forget, but uh, basically I, I do what I need to do. Uh, the tools, I use the tools. All the tools of OA, I use them. So um, this is my very first speech. I didn't prepare it. I said, I'm just gonna wing it. In my head, I know I have a hundred a million other things I would like to say, but uh, I'm not finished in OA. I have many other years, many other, presentations that I'm going to give. So hopefully you'll get to hear me there. I'm very happy to and honored to be here with everyone. Um, you know, we're all sick people. We're all in this together. Uh, another message that I have for any newcomers is that everybody's sick, even your sponsor, people that, that say they've been abstinent for 23, 25 years, everybody's sick. Everybody does it one day at a time. You want to be abstinent until you hit your head on the pillow. Um, and nobody's the director, but your higher power. With that, um, I wish everybody success and uh, to be healed from this illness. Thank you, I passed. Thank you, Katerina, that was marvelous. And thank you for honoring us with sharing your OA story the first time. That was absolutely tremendous, but do so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And we will be having Q&A. We have another speaker, just a minute, but we will have Q&A right after that. Um, our next speaker is Bev S. Bev also is from Canada. She's from Alberta, Canada. And she started her OA journey uh, in recovery 14 years ago. She has gone through a, a very dark relapse. However, it was through that relapse that she really connected with her higher power and she feels that was part of the plan. Um, Bev now she has a sponsor and she is sponsoring and she's working this program one day at a time to the best of her ability. Um, Bev, I'd like to introduce you and um, two things. Number one, would you mind if we record this? Not at all. Okay, great. And how would you like your time? Um, maybe the last five minutes and then the last two minutes. Okay, uh, I'll that do that. That works. Thank you, Mary. You're most welcome. Thank you. Um, just to intro that I'm having technical issues, so if my internet gets a little bit unstable, I will come back. <laughs> It's, um, I think that's the word of the years of COVID. I have technical issues or your sound isn't on, you're mute. <laughs> um, Beverly, um, just, also be I just wanted to share that if um, that does happen, usually going off camera, 
resolves a lot of that. Oh, okay. So it's just, Thank of you. course, we'd much rather see your face, but if it becomes uh, very difficult, um, you, you might want to try that. That's all. Thank you, Barbara. I appreciate that. So that will happen then. If it does happen, I will. Just let me know. Um, so my name is Bevan Compulsiveater. And so lovely and grateful to be able to join your meeting this evening. Um, Mary Sue caught me at a different meeting, I guess, or a sharing. And, um, you know, was, this is the beauty of recovery and the beauty of that I'm no longer alone. And it doesn't matter if I live in Canada, United States, or around, you know, in Europe somewhere, that this, my disease is going to follow me wherever I go. And um, yeah, part of my story definitely is the, my relapse, deep and dark relapse. And it's got me where I am today, though. Um, so being 14 years in recovery, um, you know, I can always remember because I came in when I was turning 30. And the reason I knew that is because 30 for me was always that goalie year that I'll have like the perfect husband, I'll have, you know, two and a half kids, I'll have a white picket fence house, perfect career, la di da da And <laughs> I'm in my 40s now and don't have none of that either, but I'm happy and in so in love with life. So um, I'll take this over where I was in my 30s any day. Um, you know, growing up, um, I feel, and this is only, again, my share, my opinion, that each and one of us um, addicts have gone through and experienced some kind of pain to numb out in life. And my house was no different. It was dysfunctional. It was abusive. It was just all right. You know, from the get-go, I knew, you know, like anyone looked at me and said, a four, okay, this girl's going to need a program. <laughs> um, I always say four-year-old, that's when I started using food because it was the first legal drug I could use. And I still remember, like, my mom cooking and baking cookies and eating them out of the freezer frozen at four years old. I remember having my Halloween candy done in like, oh, it wouldn't even take a week. It would have been days and it'd be gone. And there was no comment from my mom still, no comment. But boy, I got comments every day of my life from my dad. Every day about how I looked. You know, it was like he wasn't getting the perfect daughter he wanted so that everybody else from the outside, our family would look perfect then, right? It didn't matter how smart I was in school, what, you know, grades I got. It was, oh, you, you're overweight. How are you ever going to get a husband, et cetera, right? My worthiness was on my looks. So having that said to a young girl and then a young woman growing up, that body image critical voice still can play its days with me. It really can. It's not as strong and it's not, it doesn't stay around for long, but it's still in the back of my mind if I want to go there. It really still is. Um, I, the highest I've been in my weight is about almost 400 pounds. I'm 5'10". 
um, but about almost 400 pounds. The lowest I've been is probably about 190 pounds. Um, I've weightlifted my whole life since I was 13 years old when I started weightlifting. I had a gym coach that recognized my strength and he let me, instead of doing gymnastics, start weightlifting with the boys and the wrestling team. And I just, from there, I've had a love-hate relationship with the gym and with working out. I'm, I'm one of those, you know, addicts with extreme. So it's like, I'm going to do it all or nothing. And that's how I've taken life way before program. It was all or nothing. I drank hard. I partied hard. I went through a lot of men. Um, I did it my way, you know, kind of song. And um, I have a lot of stories to tell when I'm, you know, 80 and have maybe grandchildren or someone coming to me, you know. Um, but that's what it is. This is experience, but it also shows me how much I've changed. Um, you know, I have, when I entered program, I would see my doctor numerous times because I, I've been suicidal, thoughty, like depression my whole life. I've recognized, I remember, you know, in my teens, just wanting to check out from this world because I didn't feel good enough. Everyone had boyfriends and all the other stuff. And I didn't have that. Um, I can relate to the other speaker. I didn't have name brand, nothing. There was no name brand, nothing in my house. There was no, you know, my, my parents were hardworking. And because of program now, I can recognize did the best they could with what they had and what they taught and where they came from right and so I just wanted to check out in my 30s I wasn't where you know society I thought I should be and my doctor turned around when you know another visit looking for a new pill and she said have you ever heard of OA and I was like all I can think of is AA and I'm like, I'm not an alcoholic and you know, all this denial, like right from the start defense, right? Don't you make me do anything. I want to take the pill and be done with it. you know. <laughs> and I um, know, so she had, she gave me the web, website to OA.org and I um, picked up, you know, my first um, meeting, which was face-to-face. And I cried the whole time. And I can still remember that just cry, that sadness. Um, I didn't want anyone to touch me because I was overweight and I felt like I stunk and all these, you know, society, what they say. And I was just like, I'm not worthy of being touched. Uh, I'm not used to being held. Um, I just wanted people, I was safe in my bubble. Don't get close to me. Oh, I'm going to switch it over to just non-video, sorry. And so from here, um, I started to, you know, really work the program. And I went through a couple of sponsors the first couple of years because I want to do it my way. <laughs> I don't want to take, you know, um, a lecture or do any work or have to, you know, work at this daily. I, I wanted to do that. I was the academic student, right? Let me pick up the books. I'll finish the steps 
and I'm done. Where's my cap and gown? I'm out of here. <laughs> and it was nothing like that. Let me just start this again, see if this will work. Sorry about this. I just, I feel weird not talking without my face. <laughs> um, but um, so I kept going at it. And finally, I found a sponsor that was in the United States through doing, back then it was telephone meetings. There wasn't this Zoom kind of meetings. And um, so I never knew what she looked like. I never knew her profession. I just knew she was in a way she had the spirit, strength and hope that I wanted and started working with her. And I worked with her probably for about two, well, maybe one year because she was moving around. She was like a PhD doctor. She looked like a model and those always made me jealous because of how someone looked, right? And, you know, very rich family had a made everything. And she was like everything I despised in life pre-program if I didn't, but I was like, God like made me go to her because we just connected and over the phone, she was just like such a loving soul, you know? And the thing that kept me coming back to these rooms was the love and support and acceptance I received the very first day. Crying, bawling, snotty cry, and just finally, like was mentioned, someone that spoke my language. No one else spoke this language, but, and understood me without me even saying a word. They got me, you know? So program was going pretty well. And um, about, I'd say eight years into program, I was forced to have a hysterectomy. All my, you know, sexual interactions and going through the many men um, was part of cause of me having to have a hysterectomy. And right out the door of the second, I was mad at God, mad at life. And I lost my spirit. I lost my trust in anything. And I went into a really dark, dark relapse. But it, it, was, it was weird because I always had my foot in the door still. I would still periodically show up in a meeting. I still, you know, met up and talked to fellows in the program. I still opened the literature every once in a while, but it was just this dark pain. Like I was, I wasn't a part of a way. I was just observing what happened in front of me. And it just came back to a moment it took a couple years and I rekindled back with one of my old sponsors and that's who's my sponsor today. And it was just like, I found love again. I found, and the other thing that happened is that I had a spiritual awakening. And I don't know if this is where Mary Sue heard of my story, but to find my spiritual connection, I had I went to um, an indigenous reserve and went through a sweat ceremony. And if you've ever had, never experienced it, it's like hot yoga with spirituality and indigenous culture and traditions involved. And it was just something remarkable. I came out of that sweat ceremony. It took, it takes a lot, a few hours. And I came out just like, drenched 
and done fighting God. I was done. I was done fighting. I didn't have that that fight in me anymore. You know, it's like you want to put the gloves down. I want to accept love then. You know, I was ready to be loved, I think is what was happening. I got that sweat, got all this um, depression of this blackness and all the negative comments that I was telling myself, but also my past comments and people I had in my life. And it just really, it really cleared me. And it was like a whole new life that I walked out, a um, new stage of my life. And I've gone through like the, the mini miracles and transitions throughout programs since then. You know, it's amazing when you're working program, um, how much happens in life and it, it doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. Um, you know, working the steps, going through multiple step studies, um, redefine abstinence with a sponsor that now when she started working with me, she's like, you're done recounting your days when you start. I was one of those perfectionists. And so it was like, if I had an extra bite or something was off or I call it a not good food, I'd restart the next day. Like I was always the restarter, you know, and she said, enough's enough. You, I'm accountable to her every day with my food, three things I'm grateful for and kind of like what my day was about. Every single night she gets that text. And she says, I hold on to your absence now and I'll let you know when you're breaking absence. And that was freeing for me. That was really a frame point because I'm like the perfection student, right? I want to do program perfect. <laughs> and there's no such thing. Thank you. There's no such thing as doing program perfect. I had, I've come to the realization with a long enough time in program that we each work recovery differently. We really do. But like an old timer shared, we're either living the day with fear or living the day with love. And you choose which one you're gonna live in. Are you gonna live the day with love or with fear? And, you know, finding this inner self love, this inner um, light, and my own spiritual higher power definition has really brought me through a lot of things in life. Um, three years ago, my mom passed away. And um, before program, I was done with my parents. I had nothing to do with them. My mom stayed with me the last two years of her life and I took care of her. And I held her hand the day she passed away with my sponsor holding my other hand. That wouldn't have happened without program. I was able to get through COVID because I had a close group of OA family and we were each other's safe zone. And so we were allowed to visit and we would just make shit up like a potluck or something so we could be together. And um, I've been getting through the grieving process because of my OA family. They really are family. You guys taught me how family should treat each other. You guys have taught me, and I'm slowly learning, how a man should treat me. 
you guys taught me I was worthy, that I was lovable and acceptable just as I am. Those are the things I've learned in this room. Um, so as much as I want to run away from my past, you know, um, I just met up with some fellows Friday night and it's like, oh my God, we said, aren't we done with this experience life past stuff? <laughs> like, why is it always, you know, coming up and we're working something through that onion peel just doesn't seem to stop. We have this ginormous world-sized onion, it seems. Well, there's a couple pages in the big book that really spoke to me about this. And one page is on 124. I'm a huge big book reader and follower. And it says, Henry Ford once made a wise remark to the effect that experience is the thing of supreme value in life. That is truly only if one is willing to take, to turn the past to good account. I believe I have used my past to good account now. Thank you. A lost soul, a lost woman. I was tied up with gangs, drugs, and visiting, having a very, you know, uh, blessed full-time job while taking school and social work. I'm giving back to the door that you guys opened for me, really. At the end of the day, the door that you have let me and the time you put into me, I want to give that back to someone else now. Um, the other page in regards to experience and these rooms um, is on page 153. It's part of the vision for you paragraph. And it says, it may seem incredible that these men are to become happy, respected, and useful once more. How can these rise of such misery, bad repute, and hopelessness? The practical answer is that since these things have happened among us, they can happen with you. Should you wish them above all else and be willing to make use of our experience, we are sure they will come. The age of miracles is still with us. Our own recovery proves that. I'm here today with you because of small miracles. I really am. I'm here because I was able to change and still change in life. In the last two years, my mom was with me. She became my best friend. She literally did. And it's been fucking hard living without her. It really has been so hard. But because of you, I can get through this. I can take this one day at a time. And so today I choose to live this day with love to the best of my ability, one day at a time. Thank you.